1990, the internet as we know it was created. An invention of infinite possibilities and unknown potential. There are now over 2 billion websites currently in existence. A wealth of information, functionality, and social media. However, if you dig deeper, there lies more beneath the surface. The strange, bizarre, and dark corners of the net. Welcome to the Weird Wide Web. Welcome back to the Weird Wide Web. We're back with Niall in the seat. Back with us, back again. Here to offend many more people. I made it. I was actually really <laughs> upset I didn't get to talk about Germany in the last one. <laughs> it's specifically why we kept you out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> we are back with our fourth episode. It's a big one. It's a big one. This was a lot of research, and I think it might be our Weird Wide Web first two-parter. A two-parter? A two-parter. We'll see. Oh, oh, Maybe three. Well, Maybe I guess three. I guess people will know depending on what it says next to this when it's uploaded. Nope. I'm gonna keep it a mystery. <laughs> Just gonna put part question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. This week we are talking about the legend of Sonichu, a fan fiction that ha- like took over the internet. I mean, there is so much information about this fan fiction and its creator there there's seriously so much there's more information about this than there are about like some presidents online there's a whole wiki dedicated to this topic to this legend it's insane now we know you're a pretty big pokemon person we know uh yes established I have a couple of grievances with, you know, PSA and the wait time. I sent them in in October. I'm still waiting. But yes, big, big Pikachu. You're still waiting? It's been months. It's, yeah, a 45-day submission. It's taking this long. Nobody cares about Pokemon cards anymore. <laughs> I know. I thought I was going to get rich, and now I've spent so much more money than they're worth. <laughs> uh, but how big of a Sonic fan are you? Because, oh, if you didn't catch that, Sonichu is a combination of Sonic and Pikachu. I didn't want that to be lost on you. I did see that, but I'm very curious as to how big of a story it can be. Because, like, Sonic, you can only go for a little bit. The drive-thru is not open that late. Um, no, no, no. Get no. a couple hot dogs. The Hedgehog, which, funny enough, both both love chili dogs. But we're talking about the hedgehog on this one. Oh, so it's I was picturing like Pikachu on little roller skates going up to cars. First of all, that's adorable. And <laughs> I would pay for that. <laughs> How can we get those big, those big like Japanese full-size Pikachu costumes, but on roller skates and delivering me chili dogs? <laughs> How do we make amazing. that happen? We're doing it. Oh, so you're talking about the the blue guy. The blue guy. The blue guy who actually, in real life, I'm pretty sure sounds a little and looks a little like you. I take offense to that, I think. I don't know. Maybe. I love chili dogs, so. But were you ever a big Sonic person growing up, or? I was not a huge Sonic person. I played the game a little bit. Um, I definitely was more of, obviously, Pokemon, Pikachu, Pokemon Stadium, you know, that was kind of my go-to game. Sonic, I didn't get as into, but definitely familiar with the the whole idea. I think I drunkenly put the new movie on in the background one night. Um, but I don't know. Jim Carrey freaked me out a little bit there. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I wasn't a huge Sonic person growing up either. If I had to give you five facts about Sonic, he's blue, might be a hedgehog, loves chili dogs. Uh, in one of the games or the shows, I'm pretty sure they made him kiss a real person, which was weird. Um, and you know what? I'm blanking on a fifth. I could give you four facts. Does Those he... are my top four facts about Sonic. Now, does he run fast or is it does he roll fast? I think he. Well, he, he's got to go fast, so I think that's any means necessary. I don't know if he runs or he rolls. I'm not sure. I feel like I've seen both. I've seen both. He definitely runs into a roll. 
I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't give you the answer on this one. But maybe exploring the legend of Sonichu will give us the answer. Uh, a quick disclaimer before we dive into this fan fiction and its creator, because the creator is like like Time Cube, almost more interesting than the than the fiction itself. Uh, but one quick disclaimer. The main character, Christine Weston Chandler, she has transitioned. Uh, her dead name is Chris, and we will only refer to that when it is context specific. So otherwise, we'll respect, respect her transition and uh, refer to her by her assumed names. And this is the, the creator of? This is the creator of Sonichu, yeah. And with that, I'm going to take you through the legend of Sonichu. Let's do it. The year is 1993. A chili dog slurping blue speed devil races his way into Saturday morning cartoons. Sonic the Hedgehog, the animated series, is released on the world. A mere two years after the first Sonic game was released, Sonic was already a sensation. Alongside this first animated series came an exciting competition in partnership with KB Toys, the Sonic the Hedgehog Watch and Win Sweepstakes. Amongst the various memorabilia and merch, the contest featured a grand prize of a $1,000 shopping spree at KB Toys to two lucky contestants. Through a Dateline news segment on Charlottesville NBC affiliate, we meet a winner of the Watch and Whim sweepstakes. The piece features an 11-year-old boy and the infamous main protagonist of our dark tale, Christine Weston. Chandler. What is this? I'm so confused. There's so many names already. So many names. No, no, no. We got we got Sonic. Uh-huh. KB Toys. KB Toys used to be the shit. Yes. And Christine Weston Chandler. Christine Weston Chandler. Yeah. Or CWC. But let's get into who she is. Christine was born Christopher Weston Chandler in 1982 to parents Barbara and Bob Chandler in Virginia. Little is known about her early toddler years. However, signs of her autism did show themselves around the age of two or three. Christine specifically points to an instance with an abusive babysitter around that time as the root of her diagnosis an incident in which, upon trying to gain the babysitter's attention while she was on the phone, Christine was locked in her room alone with her toys crying into the night. This theory is somewhat unfounded as autism is a genetic disease that is not activated by external events. Nonetheless, this incident did cause Christine to not speak until the age of seven having to go to James Madison University for speech therapy and a doctor officially diagnosing Christine with high-functioning autism. During the 1980s, a playmate of Christine's, Sarah Hammer, convinced her that Casper the Friendly Ghost was living under the house in the crawlspace. Upon climbing into the crawlspace to investigate the claims, Sarah locked Christine inside an incident that serves as an unfortunate bit of foreshadowing to the gullibility that would plague Christine through her entire online life. Another notable interaction in her young life was during 1992 at a mall that featured a small bear-themed animatronic orchestra led by Leonard Berstein. Not Berenstein. Berstein. Berenstein. I, I get confused a lot with that. It's not. It's just Berestein. Okay. Harvey Berestein. Got it. While filling the mall with music, Leonard Berestein also had a live person behind the scenes to interact with the audience members. Due to the low foot traffic of the mall, Christine received a lot of face-to-face -face time with Leonard. During one interaction in which Leonard asked Chris for her name, he misheard Christopher and referred to Christine as Christian. Chris viewed this moment as a sacred moment, going as far as legally changing her name from Christopher to Christian. The following year, Christine would go on to win the KB Toys Watch and Win Sonic sweepstakes and be featured on a local news segment. However, the piece itself seemed to mainly focus on her accomplishment of winning as an autistic child. I know, I'm throwing a lot at you right, <laughs> right no. away. 
I'm I'm following. I just feel like we're walking on eggshells, and they keep layering up with every new detail you have about this person. I don't know what to say. Oh, there's a big old crunch coming. Don't worry. Yeah, this this is like we're talking like early 2000s online. So bullying, cyberbullying, all time high. <laughs> Fucking ruthless, you know? So this is like the peak of shitty people online. And it's just like the perfect personality to feed right into it to create this. I mean, legend. It It's it's insane. We're. There's, oh, you're, we're just at the tip of the iceberg. Christine describes 1996 as the start of some of the best years, the start of high school. She recalls all the friends she had during her high school years, especially the group of gal pals she hung out with most. In sad reality, the gal pal group has revealed that they felt bad for Christine during those times, later reinforced by the fact that none kept in touch past graduation. High school was where Christine began to explore her creative talents, leading to the inventions of Bionic the Hedgehog and Sonichu. During her high school graduation, Christine adamantly believed she deserved the art award, and upon not receiving it, became despondent and stormed out crying. Along with losing the award, graduation came with the real consequence that Christine would now have to grow up and start acting like an adult, an idea that her parents had grossly unprepared her for. Since leaving high school, Christine, assisted by her parents' constant coddling and facilitation, refused to progress in any aspect of life, remaining trapped in a childlike mindset. Christine would eventually go to college, attending Piedmont, Virginia Community College and studying computer-aided drafting and design. Nice, another community college grad. Hey, really? It's, yeah, it's not It's not a great mascot, is it, for community college at all? Well, you and, and this Sonichu Christine? <laughs> <laughs> at least she finished, maybe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> these courses would help christine create and develop the character and the world of sonichu that would take the internet by storm christine's college years would also introduce her love quest a quest she carried out till today now out of contact with her high school gal pals christine found that the students of pvcc were way less willing to tolerate her strange antics this, coupled with the fact that her old playmate Sarah Hammer had begun dating, probably prompted Christine to start this love quest, the pursuit of finding a boyfriend-free girl for herself and eventually losing her virginity. Christine began employing unorthodox methods to attract women on campus without actually interacting with them. The most notable process being the countless signs she carried and hung up around the school. All these signs followed the same basic format reading. I am a, parentheses, current age, year old, single male seeking 18, single female companion. Sometimes found on the signs, but mainly pulled from Christine's MySpace page, were a list of highly problematic requirements and things she would tolerate. I think this is a good point to step back and just say that none of the opinions... <laughs> that Christine puts out in the world are represented by us. We do not uh, subscribe to any of these ideas at all. Oh, hold up a goddamn minute right there. Yep. You want to commit to something here before we read the list? I think it's very brave to basically put up in-person Craigslist ads, I guess. Is that yeah. almost a around what's going on? IRL Tinder, basically. Yeah, pretty right? much. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's inventive. It's definitely inventive. I mean, she's dedicated. She wants to lose her virginity to a boyfriend-free girl. Let's get into some of her requirements. One, boyfriend-free. Two, white. Not great. Not a great start there. Three, within 20 miles of zip code 22968. This is Tinder. Under 230 pounds. 
smoke-free, non-alcoholic, in parentheses, socially drinks is also acceptable. I didn't misspeak there. That was how it was written. Caring, pretty, cute, default language, English. In parentheses, hopefully a virgin. Also in parentheses, fully coolie knowledge optional. I'm not talking about the anime. Under or equal to 510. Open-minded. Young at heart. Employment optional. Graduated from at least high school. College attendant is cool. Fun-loving. Sweet. Charming. Also on this poster were a list of things Christine would not tolerate. Smokers. Real drunk alcoholics. I'm out. In parentheses, she wrote, gone to Moe's often? So, what? some quality quality Simpsons references on that. (laughs) Current slash previous mothers. She does state that while she supports single mothers, she ultimately wants to start fresh. Real ugly women. Currently over 230 pounds. Low-functioning, mentally handicapped. The seriously physically deformed. Autistic. She is also herself, but she does state that although I myself am high-functioning autistic, but that's beside the point. The last two things, she also doesn't want police women. Fair. Medium or dark chocolate. Uh, so some questionable some questionable uh requirements for christine there i have to say hmm. yeah that's uh it's uh it's weird but i'm also thinking i think you could be pickier maybe back then i feel like you were able to just put out really what you wanted without thinking that it was going to come back to haunt you at all one thing's for sure she really wants to make sure that you are under 230 pounds because in the requirements, it was make sure you're under 230 pounds. And then also in the not going to have it, don't even be over 230 pounds. <laughs> so really just laying into that point of no. I mean, but I got to say, when you first said that number, I forgot mm-hmm. at first that she was looking for a woman. Because like, that's a pretty, that's not... Slim. That's slim for. There's a lot of uh room for. Uh, well, you know, 230 is big. That like that's not small. That yeah. that gives you a little bit of wiggle room, I guess. Tell <laughs> me, God, if you're not if you're over, yeah, get over there with the police women and the chocolate. <laughs> well, I'm gonna leave that one alone. Me- Wait, she said medium to dark chocolate. Medium or dark chocolate. So light chocolate's good. Yeah. I don't think she's talking about candy. Uh, I don't know, but she put them pretty close to policewoman. So you can tell this is definitely like not nowadays. Definitely not nowadays. Below these two lists, Christine would state that she is sorry if any of these touched a nerve or caused sadness. But don't worry. If you cannot fit these specifications, you can still help spread the word. Wow. I mean, she's like, hey, listen, you're not it. But like, you know, you got friends. That's amazing. She would have been a great salesperson. I mean, she's ahead of her time. The many signs around campus began to agitate various authority figures who believed her loitering and soliciting sex, which was technically accurate. This prompted the dean, Mary Lee Walsh, to call Christine into her office to be reprimanded. Deeply affecting Christine, a one-sided feud with Mary Lee Walsh that involved slander, obscene pictures, and a magical curse of Christine's creation called Curse Ye Hemeha began. What? That was the curse that Christine put on the dean, Mary Lee Walsh. A curse ye meha. What? A curse. <laughs> a curse ye hema. Ye hema. Kirsty, hey, me, yeah. I'm convinced you just keep sneaking in little Hebrew words into all of these episodes. Like, it's based on Dragon Ball. It's not based on Hebrew. Kirsty, <laughs> hey, me, huh? I'm convinced you're sneaking them in. 
Though as these confrontations became increasingly more erratic and threatening, Mary Lee Walsh expelled Christine for one year, requiring her to attend anger management and receive psychiatric help before she would be permitted to return. Christine would eventually return and complete her degree. Well, she's got that on me, unfortunately. Wow. Following her completion of school, Christine would completely remove herself from society. She was altogether stopping any healthy growth and devoting her life exclusively to finding a boyfriend-free girl, spending welfare money on video games and sex toys, and most importantly, drawing Sonichu. So that's kind of like a quick recap of who she is, the kind of events that brought her to this online world. Now we're going to start getting into like the history of her and Sonichu and its online present. Now, this won't be in a typical kind of timeline how we're going to do this. All the, as they call themselves, Christorians who have created this wiki, the quickie, CWC wiki, the quickie. Oh, I get it. There's a lot of C's going just added to words. I see there are a lot of C's and W's and C's added to words. The way they kind of tell the story of Christine. You mean story? The quick story (laughs) is through sagas because so many of these events overlap in time and like events and stuff like that. They all overlap. So they're all broken down by sagas. So that's how we're going to we're kind of take ourselves through this timeline saga by saga and they're all kind of interconnected and it'll make sense once we get into it yeah sounds it good luck buddy you're leading the way (laughs) it's like a blind man leading you through fog let's explore the many sagas of christine weston chandler starting with the megan saga this takes place between summer 2004 to march 2008 somewhat Is this a potential lover? You mean a boyfriend-free gal, pal? A boyfriend-free gal who's under 230 pounds, damn it. Police-free. Not a smoker. Not a non-alcoholic. March 2005 sees the first official... (laughs) That's going to be the promo right there. I'm clipping that. That's the promo. (laughs) March 2005 sees the first official release of the Sonichu comic series with issue number zero. Oh, you know what? Let me just, I'm going to send you this first issue and you're just going to get a a nice little feel of. How many screens do you have in here? Because you're looking up and down and all over. I got a lot going on. I'm ready. I'm here at the helm. I'm taking you through this. So this is the cover of the first Sonichu. Wow. Yeah. This is like I don't want to. I don't want to steal any. Give me your first impression. This looks vaguely similar to the level of drawing I had on a story I made. Not that okay. I'm to take this over. Called Snake Man. Snake Man. Yes. Describe him. He was a man who got bit buy a snake and then turn okay. into half half man half snake half man half snake okay so now we've got to the question i have which half is snake which half is man obviously the bottom is snake so he's a slithery snake oh. man so like am i am, am like is it bottom worm body and top muscular man yes a hundred percent and very important that it's muscular he wears a cutoff tee uh-huh. and i i drew bulgy muscles and he he fought crime like a sexy job of the hut kind of is what we're talking about here yeah like a if job of the hut was under 230 pounds and not a policeman <laughs> not a policeman okay okay i got it i got it what how old were you when you created snake man i was in fourth grade okay so she's in college i was nine or ten. Oh. <laughs> Okay. And where can people find Snake Man online? I will be... Um, the people want it. I will f- find it. I think I have I have one of three copies that were ever created, and I will reprint them. We'll run a reprint, and we'll sell them, and this is how we're going to keep this podcast going. 
I love it. I'm so down to produce Snake Man. Anyways, that that's just my story. You'll be able to find that on our, our website in the store very we soon. A website? Um, we kind of do. Well, God damn it, we'll have one after this. Yeah, we after, will. After part insert whatever. Going up now. Part part question mark. <laughs> All right. March 2005 sees the first official release of Sonichu comic series with issue number zero. The poorly drawn and written comic chronicles the adventures of main character Sonichu, a mashup of Pikachu and Sonic created by Christine during a school project in 2000 in which she could not use copyrighted characters. The subsequent issues repeatedly steal storylines from Sonic, Pokemon, Dragon Ball Z, and others. Alongside stolen storylines, her comics were filled with convoluted sub-stories and frustrating layouts. Layouts that caused Christine to number the many nonsensical speech bubbles to maintain any sense of legibility. Sonichu himself only remains the main character in name only after the second issue of the series. The series quickly turned into a self-satisfying outlet for all of Christine's depraved fantasies, following her as the main character. Issues soon featured real-life people Christine interacted with, including an evil dean named Mary Lee Walsh, a misguided Sarah Hammer getting married, and love interest Megan. I called it. One of Christine's favorite hangouts outside the house was a game shop called The Game Place, a local spot for people to gather, buy, or play tabletop board and card games. In 2004, over a game of Yu-Gi-Oh!, Christine met Megan. And, after a few games and some email exchanges, the two quickly bonded. A friendship that would soon become Christine's closest and strongest friendship. Christine? More than happy to oblige Megan's interests in My Little Pony and Sailor Moon, among other things, soon viewed Megan as her next sweetheart. Christine obsessed over Megan, begging for dates, trying to snuggle, kiss her, and write Megan in her comics. All despite Megan consistently asserting her asexuality. After constantly trying to dissuade these thoughts and actions, she claimed she had a boyfriend though this, too, fell on deaf ears. Christine would insert Megan into the comic series as Sailor Megtoon in Sonichu number 5. Much to Megan's dismay, her character quickly became Christine's love interest in the series and was constantly portrayed in sexualized manner. Megan's influence also began to change the art style Christine typically used. She changed all the characters to have a far more anime stylization, such as big reflective eyes. Despite Megan's dismay at romantic decisions and sexualization of her character, it was not the end of their friendship. The end would come in 2007, when Sonichu was discovered by the internet, dissolving their friendship into fiery ash, thanks to a few misguided posts ash nice pokemon reference this enters us into the adam stackhouse saga a side story this takes place about june 2007 to august 2007 during the megan saga a short side story saga emerged in june 2007 sony announced the chop chop master onions rap showdown contest to promote parappa the rapper's new game did you ever play Parappa the Rapper? No. Parappa the Rapper? I played Yu-Gi-Oh! So I was all on board for Megan. The Stackhouse guy seems like a loser. Parappa the Rapper, you probably would like it. It was like a rhythm beat game where this fucking onion dude, I don't know, rapped and stuff. I didn't play it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It, sound, it doesn't sound like it. Contestants were instructed to record themselves performing either Chop Chop Master Onion's rap, Instructor Mussolini's rap, or Cheap Cheap, the Cooking Chicken's rap acapella. The grand prize winner would be rewarded with two PSPs and an all-expenses-paid trip to Seattle for the 2007 Penny Arcade Expo. PAX, for those who don't know. It's a pretty big expo. Riding high off her victory of the Sonic Watch and Win sweepstakes at the age of 10, a plan was hatched. Upon claiming the prize... A guarantee in Christine's mind, she would gift the two PSPs to Megan. 
Solid. Solid plan. That's pretty good. More importantly, though, Christine would take Megan on the all-expenses-paid trip with the hope that they would make love in the shared hotel and rid the moniker of Virgin with Rage once and for all. Despite Christine employing many dummy accounts to spam the voting, her dreams of winning were crushed by one Adam Stackhouse. Stackhouse, of course, used the dirty tactics of simply being more talented to claim the victory. Chris was outraged by this outcome and would make many posts and video attacking Adam Stackhouse and his sister, even going as far as creating a fake webpage claiming herself the true victor of the competition. Christine claimed Stackhouse had cheated because he included his sister in the video and used backing music while the contest called for an acapella. Though, the backing music was simply Adam beatboxing, which qualifies as an acapella. All these claims are ironic hypocrisy to the fact that Christine had cheated in the competition. In one post, she claims, I loathe Adam and his sister for stealing my one chance to at taking my sweet girlfriend to Seattle. It would have been terrific. I might have been able to change her outlook on not planning on having children. She and I are both virgins, although I am frustrated. High functionally autistic 25-year-old virgin. That's a direct quote. Christine would also release... A disturbing video of her silently firing an airsoft gun at a picture of Adam and his sister. I've definitely done that. <laughs> you know, I had so many airsoft guns. So I many airsoft guns. Printed stuff out. Did you print stuff it. out? Uh, no, I'm. I never entered any competitions or <laughs> anything like this. I'm trying to remember if I entered any competitions as a kid. I mean. To bring Megan back, I did two Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments, and I lost in the first round. And I'm not kidding; I got like it was the typical guy who you would think he was mm. probably like 19, over 230 pounds. Mm. Just yeah, I I beat you. Very but, traumatic uh, for you, I can tell. I took a picture of him, I printed it out, and I shot him with airsoft gun. So we're all good. <laughs> Created a bunch of websites about him slandering him and his sisters. Exactly. Well, at least you can relate. Now we are introduced to the Encyclopedia Dramatica Saga. This takes place around November 2007 to about April 2011. 2007 would be the metaphorical Big Bang that launched this legendary internet story and Christine into a self-destructive spiral. Among the forums of a comedy website called Something Awful, a user would post the following. There really must be something about Sonic. This guy used to leave business cards at my school's library where he would hang out for hours looking for a boyfriend-free girl. This is how I first learned of him. From here, I developed somewhat of an obsession, culminating last summer when I made a special trip to a gaming store and local hangout where he had posted he would be. He was every bit as Aspergeric as I had imagined. I present to you Sonichu. The video on that page, priceless. So he basically, he went to the same school, saw the signs, ended up at the game place, took a picture of Christine at the game place playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Posted it online, and then found all of Christine's YouTube videos and stuff like that. Because she would just react all the time. And make a video about anything. So there was like troves of gold that everybody could just pick up and destroy. Well, this is like, uh, I'm imagining like Chris Crocker type videos. Just random spurts of under a sheet, frustrated. Pretty much. Yeah, no, pretty much. It's literally just like set up in a room, mad about something, post a video. Mad about another thing, post a video. Wow. There's so many. If she only had Facebook and was a conservative and cared about her guns, she'd be perfect. She'd be president. <laughs> the fascination quickly latched onto many, with users on 4chan subsequently discovering and training their eyes of hate towards the world of Sonichu and Christine. 
The Sonichu comics were dissected. The website was poured over, and even Christine's MySpace page was discovered and passed around. Then, on November 3rd, 2007, a Chris-chan page was created on Encyclopedia Dramatica, a satirical wiki categorizing the oddities of the internet. This propelled Christine into internet popularity and subsequently made her a massive target for trolling. Christine discovered the wiki page almost immediately and was enraged by the misinformation and explicit images of her characters throughout it. Four days after its creation, Christine would post a video acknowledging and pleading for the page's removal. In the video, she seems to believe that these trolls were simply misinformed about her and the Sonichu world. In a bizarre solution to the problem, Christine would reveal massive amounts of personal information during this video, not just stoking the fire, but seemingly dumping a gallon of lighter fluid onto the gold mine of trolling this was already producing. Seeing no action taken, Christine would go on to take matters into her own hands, actively editing the page herself. These edits were quickly sniffed out and removed, most likely due to Christine's strange and poor writing. Her use of the first person, incredibly personal details, and sometimes even signing the edits with her name. After multiple efforts to delete or edit the page, Christine would go on to post the following on the ED talk page. I am adding the positivity this hellhole of a website needs. You just do not appreciate the positivity I am adding to the page. What I am doing is a stand against offensive, unnatural, unrequired additions to any female image. What I am doing is a stand for every single woman, everywhere, because no woman would ever want such horrific twist of fate. What I am doing is a stand against the very thing that is not funny at all. So, draw breasts, vaginas, uterus, ovaries and god-given eggs within them you two-inch short dickheads sincerely christian western chandler a man for the woman for the women's rights for women's justice for the women's peace p.s grow a backbone and go ask women out as well you trolls and that's where we end it i mean she cut the trolling off right away nailed it got it done that's how you handle it. That you, you, how you handle it. Settle them up, and you name some organs, and you say, hey, I'm with them. I'm with her. The creation of this ED page would not only act as the catalyst for Christine's online trolling, but would, would also begin to affect her in real life directly. Christine's pastor discovered the ED page and swiftly banned her from church. Around the same time, Christine was also banned from the game place, though this had more to do with her yelling at a child, among other minor incidents. Most impactful, though, was the sudden destruction of Christine and Megan's friendship that was brought about due to the Encyclopedia Dramatica. In analyzing the Sonichu comics, many had discovered Christine's inherent hate for homosexuality. This caused many people to create Rule 34 images of Christine's Sonichu characters performing indecent acts. This, unsurprisingly, infuriated Christine, causing her to respond. Christine decided the best course of action to counteract these drawings was to create her lewd pictures of the characters. Of the five drawings she posted, four were of the Sonichu characters, and the fifth depicted Christine fingering an unnamed girl. Many people online believed the girl to be Christine's imaginary sister from the comics, Crystal. To dispel any confusion of the accusations or incestuous desires, Christine confirmed in a video that the girl she drew was Megan. So basically all these people created these terrible Rule 34 images of all of her characters from Sonichu, and her idea to get rid of them was like, these images are bad. Here, if you want these dirty images, I'll draw them and put all of this Sonichu porn out, essentially. Wow. That's it's a lot dope. It's a lot. Um also, what is a rule 34 image? Rule 34 is essentially the online rule that if it exists, there's porn of it. So every parody of like children's shows that 
some people find on porn sites, that's essentially Rule 34. Like, it exists in the world, so there's porn of it. That's what Rule 34 is. Got it. It's Rule 34 of online etiquette. What What are the first 33? I don't know. I'm kind of illiterate. I don't know. Oh, you don't know. But you knew a lot about Rule 34 for some reason. Huh. Well, it's way more entertaining. <laughs> In March of 2008, Megan would discover the picture of herself and, in an email to Christine, demanded its immediate removal from the internet. Though Christine made many attempts to do so, she found herself blocked at every turn. Megan would write Christine a final email in April of the same year, officially ending their friendship. Christine would quite boldly push the narrative that she was more of a victim thanks to this drawing. Christine would state that she had done it to express her sexual desires and that if she hadn't, who knows what she would have done to Megan. Ooh. Rule 34 to her, I bet. I, I guess. Well, she did that already. That was the drawing. And what's it in real life? Rule 43? It's probably. Or 52, maybe? Rule 52. Oh, se- hey, sex. It's called sex. Oh. Sorry. Gotcha. Got caught up in the numbers. <laughs> yeah, you got caught up in the numbers there. By 2009, Christine had essentially given up on her crusade against Encyclopedia Dramatica. She was only returning time to time to post about certain trolls or read through the ED forums. On April 1st, 2009, the Christian page was replaced with a lengthy statement from the owner of the ED website. The statement explained how the trolling had gone too far and they needed to take responsibility for its resulting personal impact on Christine. The Christian page was put back up the very next day. Throughout the years, Encyclopedia Dramatica struggled to keep itself online, now being a shell of what it once was. And now we enter the Blanca saga from August 2008 to October 2008. Just a very, very quick one. Christine's love quest was still alive and well and now needed a new person of obsession, having lost Megan. This begins the Blanca saga. A period and method of trolling repeated throughout the many years and sagas to come. Three trolls would create a new love interest for Christine, named Blanca Weiss, literally translating to a white female. The group communicated through IM and telephone with Christine, and quickly had her enamored with the fictional Blanca. They extracted love letters, explicit and embarrassing photos of Chris, and Christine's own sacred Sonichu medallion which she wore everywhere, ending with a video posted showing the medallion being cut up, shoved in pickle juice, and set on fire. After this video, the group ceased and faded into obscurity. An interview after the event, Christine maintained that Blanca was genuine and claimed that the destroyers of the medallion lived near Blanca. So she thought they just intercepted the medallion that she sent. And I'm going to give you a picture of Christine at the time, so you'll be able to see the medallion that she's wearing. Oh, man. This also sounds like some fucked up fairy tale. There's so much. You're like, three trolls created this white female. <laughs> and like, it just sounds like so I weird. am an instant messenger. They created the female, Blanca Weiss. <laughs> oh, my. That's kind of like current time, Christine. That's the medallion right there. That's the Sancho medallion. This is in her room at the time. Uh, Lego game is strong. Strong. I mean, full civilization she's got going on there. I had that. I had that back left. The little gray piece. Mm. It was like the base for the castle that you oh, built yeah. the Lego on. Yeah, yeah. It had yeah. the fake like rocks painted on it and stuff like that. You built the castle on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I respect it. Also... Is that a popped denim collar on top of a polo? Yeah. Nobody said she wasn't styling. And with that, well, let's get into the Jimmy Hill saga. Jimmy Hill? Jimmy Hill. These names are just getting insane. This is like mid to late 2008. A user from the Something Awful forums started to troll Christine under the alias of Jimmy Hill, a real-life British soccer presenter of the same name. The user began claiming to be the actual creator of Sonichu and Rose Chu, purporting to be selling merchandise in the UK and aiming to launch the comic in Europe soon. 
In Jimmy Hill's version, Sonichu was a homosexual. The character, Blake, was his boyfriend, and Mary Lee Walsh and Jimmy Hill were his parents. In short, Jimmy Hill's version of Sonichu was the complete antithesis of Christine's. Other users jumped on the troll, creating fan art of the Hill version and posting Photoshop images of Hill's comics in stores and articles written about them. One troll managed to plant a sign on Christine's yard during Halloween that read, Encyclopedia Dramatica Hearts Jimmy Hill. (laughs) In September, Christine would first respond to the unauthorized merch sales, referring to him as Jerry Hill. The preceding month, Christine would more openly respond to Jerry Hill, claiming his work was a blatant riff-off of her own. Christine and Panda Halo planned on suing Jerry Hill, with Panda Halo claiming she hopes someone cut off his dick, to which Christine added, I hope he losses his duck. That brings us to the Clyde Clash saga, starting from about 2008 to 2012. It's a short little one, but he'll pop up all throughout the other sagas. Clyde Clash was a troll persona that will pop up alongside many other trolls and throughout many other sagas. Christine even claims Clyde Clash to be her arch nemesis, even years after he finished trolling. Clyde Clash's fictional lore begins when his younger brother commits suicide in response to Christine not releasing any more comics in protest to the Encyclopedia Dramatica page. Then, in response to a few of Christine's tone-deaf reactions to this event, Clyde Clash turned his grief into righteous indignation, swearing to avenge his brother even if he had to become a monster in the process. Dark. (laughs) Very dark. That's... Wow. And I mentioned before uh, Panda Halo and her assistance in trying to sue Jerry Hill. So let's get into the Panda Halo saga, starting about mid to late 2008, going to February 2009. Panda Halo, also known as Sarah Cassandra McKenzie, from Southern Australia, was Christine's next sweetheart following the Blanca debacle. On September 2008, through a Sonichu drawing, Christine would declare... Her true and honest love for Panda Halo. Panda pushed the limits of the previous trolling. Panda Halo soon discovered how gullible Christine was and how desperate for sex she was. Panda managed to obtain the very first video of Christine masturbating. Audio of Christine discussing her various sexual opinions and a PSP that was initially intended for Megan. Don't even. I will not. I will not <laughs> subject even. you to that. It's so unfortunate because it's not a one and only. That There's multiple. There's so many. There's so many videos that people get that you step back and you go, why? Why do you want that? What are you going to do with that? It's terrible. It's really awful. Panda Halo and Clyde Clash would soon team up to create a disturbing act of trolling, pushing the story that Clyde Clash had flown to Australia and raped Panda out of revenge. Ultimately, Panda had become pregnant with Clyde's child, though none of this appeared to faze Christine. In an act of generosity, Clyde offered to raise the child with Panda in his mansion, while Christine's response was subtly pressure Panda to abandon her child to Clyde and come live with her in her parents' house. In the end, Panda presented Christine with the ultimatum, talk to Nintendo to make Sonichu a reality so Christine could support their future family, and she would gladly abandon her child. Otherwise, she would go live with Clyde in his mansion and raise their child. Christine would fail to do any such thing, despite Sonichu being her one true love. Upon Christine's failure to complete this request, Panda would unfortunately meet meet her untimely death. In an email from Clyde, he would inform Christine that Panda had tragically passed in the Australian bushfires that took the lives of 173 people in 2009. Christine's lack of grief in real life was shown in Panda's character in the Sonichu series, which also met her demise perishing in a house fire. The characters would mourn her in the comic for a mere 15 seconds before moving on with the story. This is a wild saga. We got two trolls coming together. 
creating an epic, disturbing story. Unfaced. It's like this man, this man committing revenge came and had a child with me, and I, I'm done. I like, I'm gonna go raise my child unless you get Sonic to Nintendo. It's wild. That's insane. And not the weirdest thing that I've ever heard about a panda and some guy named Glide and having babies. Are you talking about the plot to Kung Fu Panda? No, no, no. That was a duck. That was a duck oh. who took him in as What are you as talking about? Not Clyde. Excuse me? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> what's the next saga? <laughs> On that bombshell, let's start the Miyamoto saga. This is roughly like January 2009 to February 2009. In August 2008, Christine encouraged her fans to reach out and persuade Nintendo and Sega to begin talks about creating a video game based on the Sonichu character. Shortly after, Christine would receive a letter directly from Shigeru Miyamoto. To her disappointment, Miyamoto was adamantly against the idea, stating the character's unoriginality, nonsensical and narcissistic storylines, and cooperation between Nintendo and Sega could not work. Also, this was not Miyamoto. Christine would post a response to the email directly on Sonichu.net, in a prime example of her flat-out, ego-driven refusal to acknowledge the truth of the email. She writes... The big brain behind Super Mario, Zelda, and other popular Nintendo characters and games, Shigeru Miyamoto, sent me an email with his response to the Sonichu game project. He says nay, but I bets he could be holding out on us, or something. So, I say this unto you, my loyal fans. Continue with the emails and forum talks about Nintendo and Sega, of America or Japan. They are missing out on the real profitability thing they can work with me on and cash in handsomely. I sent a detailed reply, but it came back to me in a mailer daemon message. So I've taken the liberty of printing a copy of the original message and a copy of my reply that I will send to Nintendo of America for them to transfer me to Mr. Miyamoto himself. Give them time and messages. Then, in 2009, discussions would pick back up between Miyamoto and Christine, this time with far more receptive Miyamoto. The two begin discussions about the possible Sonichu game, more specifically about getting Christine to Redmond, Washington, to pitch her ideas in person. Though throughout the majority of the correspondence, Christine would continue to produce excuse after excuse preventing her travel. The email chain became a push and pull between the two. Christine was expressing her distrust of the sender's validity and re revealing far too much information as usual. Miyamoto, discovering Christine's Encyclopedia Dramatica page and expressing public image concerns, Christine's trust that this is the real Miyamoto draws thin, prompting Miyamoto to claim that Christine herself is the troll. She pleads with Miyamoto-san that she is the real CWC, though her loss of the Sonichu website to Greg with three Gs doesn't help prove that. Ultimately, nothing comes from this interaction. The Miyamoto emails were orchestrated by none other than Clyde Clash securing his spot as CWC's ultimate arch-villain. Wow. So, these are all their troll names, right? These are all their troll names. Yes. So, Shigeru Miyamoto, real guy, created yeah. many of the best Nintendo products. This, not him. Clyde Clash, who's also not Clyde Clash. It's all these people. It's groups and groups of people coming together in harmony to torment this one fucking person. <laughs> Terrible. This is awful and definitely not great for a lot of reasons. But hook, line, and sinker, I'm in, baby. 
oh yeah i mean i gotta see this out and if we have a couple of laughs uh, you know sorry the trolling is at a level that we have never seen because trolling is terrible and mentally destructive but oh my god people spend so much time on this like creating fake names using voice encoders to call christine on the phone and talk with her it's insane yeah this is nuts this is almost almost as crazy as thinking your neighbor is a serial killer and then finding out that he actually is summer 84 baby we back oh my goodness now let's get into a short and quick saga the julie saga between february and march 2009 is when this saga is taking place the next victim in christine's long line of love quest girlfriends was julie aka julie with four a's <laughs> whoa what julie well that's how it's spelled julie <laughs> julie a creation of sadistic Julie. troll Blue Spike. The Julie Blue Spike is primarily regarded as the sickest and emotionally abusive instance of trolling towards Christine, including hours of phone sex, getting Christine to shove the Sonichu Machalian up her butt, and forcing her to exchange the mayor of Quickville to Billy Mays officially. So the town that the Sonichu world exists in is Quickville, which I know you were already thinking of it. Yes, it's CWCville. It's Quickville. Oh, uh yeah. So in this saga, whereas she was the mayor, she lost the mayordom to Billy Mays. Billy Mays. Hi, Billy Mays here. Billy Mays here, here to bring you really uncomfortable creations. <laughs> hey, I did a bunch of cocaine. How's it going? Billy Mays here. Yeah, he's the mayor now. He's the mayor of Quickville. He lives on. That is awesome. This saga also produced one of the many sex tapes created by Christine over the years. Despite all of this, after Blue Spike's big reveal... The damage seemed to have caused little to no long-term impact on Christine and her quickly new sweetheart. Which takes us to the Ivy Saga. <gasps> Ivy. About March to May 2009. The Ivy Saga would create some of the creepiest and crazier side of Christine. Ivy O'Neill, the next sweetheart in Christine's ongoing love quest, started with an innocent request to get a shout-out for one of her friends from Christine. Dissatisfied with the shout-out, Ivy called back to complain, and Christine, having just been stood up by another sweetheart, was much more animated towards Ivy. The two discussed video games, art, handwriting, and Christine's sexual fantasies for the Sonichu characters Layla and Reginald. Ivy sent Christine a self-portrait and a drawing of her personal favorite character, Layla. After this, Ivy had all of Christine's focus and was entirely in the driver's seat. This saga would produce three Sonichu specials, four music videos, and a handful of non-music videos, a new Christine, and the Hedgehog Boys album. And Wait, what? Don't you dare try and just skip over that. <laughs> oh, the Christine and the Hedgehog Boys album? What? There's music videos? Well, there's lip syncing of popular songs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I really thought it was going to be like full-on music. Like a full-on album of the Sonichu characters? No, 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 no. Purely just lip sync songs. So it's like Kids Bop, but with some very weird guy who is, has sexual anime fantasies. And... It's a special Kids Bop. And a long-awaited tour of Christine's house. Christine increased her creepy, blog-like video posts, and if Sonichu's specials 2 and 3 were to believe, she was shedding her virginity with rage persona. With the relationship moving quickly, Christine found herself in hot water with her parents when she filmed and posted her house tour online. Her parents, of course, fearing the local health department, would see the absolute hoarding nightmare their house was and condemn it. They're all hoarders. All of them. Both of her parents and Christine filled the fucking brim with bullshit in their house. So they like, she posted it online again, 
releasing too much information and they're like get that shit down (laughs) it's like we are gonna get kicked out of our house immediately if anybody sees this two new trolls would also emerge during the ivy saga martinez and rocky shoemaker though thankfully ivy herself had already passed christine's tests for truth and honesty Trouble would brew between the two during April as a fan of Sonichu would introduce Christine to Vanessa Hudgens. The real Vanessa Hudgens? Not the real Vanessa Hudgens. The one who got caught taking those nude pics? Not sending those nude pics to Christine. Uh, maybe. We don't know who she sent them to. It's true. We, we didn't see receipts. Yeah, we didn't is know. This the, it was... Is this the connection? Did we figure it out? Did we crack this case? Is it a case to crack? Is, uh, you tell me. You're leading the story. I don't know. <laughs> Christine's ability to juggle two imaginary girlfriends would prove to be very challenging for her. Ivy discovered Christine's scandalous two-timing ways and concocted a humiliating punishment to be able to put the mistake behind them. Christine was made to plan her and Ivy's future wedding and honeymoon in the Sonichu specials. She was also made to draw a life-sized image of her penis, which she confusingly referred to as her duck. The posting of the giant penis comic would close April in the Ivy Saga. May would bring the rocky end to the Ivy Saga. The Chandler family was becoming increasingly irritated by the constant trolls and soon began seeking police interference. Mainly, they wanted to go after Martinez, but Rocky Shoemaker pushed them to go after Ivy. This pissed Ivy off, and she quickly broke up with Christine. Then shortly after, rumors of Ivy's suicide made their way to Christine. One tasteless, belated memorial video, and Sonichu comic, death of her character, a faulty elevator crash that not even Billy Mays could save her from, and Christine had moved on from Ivy. And that is where we'll end part... Question mark. (laughs) ...of the Sonichu series. Wow. And after that, we're going to enter in one of my favorite sagas. We're going to start next episode with the Liquid Saga, which is... Hands down, one of my favorites. Something to look forward to. Liquid? Liquid. Like solid snake liquid. Not like the water liquid. I'm giving... What is solid snake liquid? Did you never play Metal Gear Solid? Oh, not really. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's a character. I thought that was a big sexual innuendo you just threw at me. (laughs) Solid Uh, snake liquid. Oh, okay. Uh, Well. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Solid snake. Is it Snake Man? Snake <laughs> Man coming? <laughs> so yeah, that's that's our first part of the Sonichu series. It's a lot. I threw a lot at you, I know. Are you talking to me or the viewers? You. You, personally. Niall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a lot. Um, again, I'm very interested. A lot of it just sounds so fantastic like yeah there's so much the names i still i'm this might be the only not made up name but her friend sarah hammer can't get over that because i'm pretty sure that's a porn name real person turns out real person that's that's the biggest name i can't get over yeah but it gets to this level where trolls are working together trolls are pissing off other trolls because they're messing up their troll plans it's insane there's so many people (laughs) this is pretty crazy although the whole thing is obviously kind of terrible. Um, also, oh, but also kind of amazing that all these people are like so intrigued and brought into this one person's full like kind of storyline. Her whole life is saved online on the quickie. People are still kind of like keeping tabs on her, making sure she's okay. <laughs> I don't think she is, but they're making sure. <laughs> Well, I can't wait to get to part part and something. Find out how she's doing. What's going on? Yeah, I man, this subject is fascinating. And we have even scratched the surface of these Sonichu issues, like the actual comics, which they all kind of turn into this 
fantasy world for her. Like Sonichu is not a thing anymore after a few issues, and it's literally just her like method of punishing trolls, just like writing deaths for them and stuff like that. So it really just takes on a life of its own. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm interested. I'm hooked. Yeah. I want to see it. Maybe, maybe this just turns into a full Sonichu podcast. Full Sonichu podcast. We're gonna analyze issue by issue. <laughs> Line by line, I was thinking maybe as a bonus episode, we can do like a dramatic reading of all of the issues and go through them and just do them as one long audio book, essentially. I'm down. That's our first part of Sonichu and another deep dive into the Weird Wide Web. Thank you for joining me, Niall. You can check us out on Weird Wide Web Pod on Instagram, YouTube. We might have a Twitter at some point. I don't really understand it, so probably not. But send us your... It's very confusing to me. I don't get it. Yeah, it's called... Why isn't it called Twitter? You don't put out tweets. So confusing. Weird, right? Maybe we should do an episode on Twitter. (laughs) Send us suggestions. Leave a review. We love you all. Thanks again for joining me and really, honestly, just putting up with my excitement over just the worst stuff online. Anytime, yeah. I'll speak for them all.